to be together in this space, so great to be connected online as well. Uh, today we're continuing, as, uh, as Pastor Kyle said, we're in part three of our series, Goliath Must Fall. Have you named your Goliath yet? Some of us, that comes really quickly. We know what the Goliath is in our lives. We know what the giant is in our lives that we're facing. And maybe you've come up against that giant time and time again, and you've just gotten beat up, beat down. You feel like you can't get past that. We've talked about living in the shadow of those giants. Sometimes we get so comfortable with life and just say, this is just the way it is. I guess I'm never going to conquer that. I'm never going to get past that. Well, we're here to declare in this series and in this time and on these Sunday mornings that Goliath must fall. It's not an option. It's not something that may or may not happen. Goliath must fall. Actually, you know what we've been talking about? Goliath has already fallen. Goliath is already dead. Goliath is already knocked down. And we're looking at the story of David and Goliath, the story of legend, the story that has been told from, for ages. And we see the story and we hear the story of little Goliath, uh, little David going up against the giant Goliath. And we think, okay, this is where we muster our courage, where we muster our strength. But what I want to share with you each and every week, what we talked about in the first couple uh, messages in the first week, is that Goliath is already dead. Goliath's already been defeated, but here's the thing that you need to know is you're not David. See, we think we hear the story and go, I'm David, I'm gonna muster up that courage. You're not David. You know who is? Jesus is David. Jesus has already defeated Goliath, so you don't have to. But what we realize is though, even though Goliath is dead, he is still deadly. We're still feeling the effects. We still have battles to fight. Even though David conquered Goliath, they still had to fight the Philistine army. They still had to conquer the land. They still had to do the battles and fight the battles that took place. And so what we've been looking at is this, this, this powerful metaphor of, of the story that reminds us that the thing that you're facing has already been conquered in Christ. But the question is, how do we then live in that? How do we live in that freedom? How do we then get past Goliath? So we've been talking about that over these last several weeks and, and, and for the rest of the series is, okay, Goliath is dead. He's been conquered. How do I now live in that freedom and in that hope? Last week, we talked about stepping out from the shadow and into the light. That the light, when Christ's light floods into us, there's healing. And, and remember what it takes? It's confession and repentance. Things that are hard for us to do, things that we don't maybe like to do, but when we do that and we admit our weakness, remember weak is the new strong, and we come before God and he begins to flood our light with life and we shatter that darkness and we step into that light and we begin that first part of healing and conquering Goliath. Well, today I want to talk about what is the next step? What do we, where do we go from there? What does it take after that? And so today we're going to talk about, in part three, we're going to talk about finding healing among the walking wounded. How do we find healing among the walking wounded? <clears throat> Last night we had uh, a lot of fun uh, in the afternoon at, at Fall Fest, and so many came out, and we had a great time at the Raber's farm, and, and when that all wound down, then the youth uh, wound up. At 8 to 10 o'clock, we, uh, we had a bonfire, we played night games. Any of you ever play Capture the Flag? A lot of fun out there playing Capture the Flag in the dark and the shadows, and we're running around, and, and wouldn't you know it, somebody got injured. A couple of people got injured. Things happen, you know, you're running in the dark. I don't know why you guys looking at, Dan wasn't even there, Dan Teeter wasn't even there. I know he, he's one of the, I, I hear the legend of, of Dan's injuries, but no, it wasn't Dan, it wasn't Dan. Others, somebody got hit in the head with a cone and somebody fell on the ground and scraped up their, you know, their, their hands and got some bumps and bruises. And, and then when, the, when it's all over, though, you had a good time. And you come back together and it's like when, when the game's over, it's almost like you see them coming out of the shadows, you know, carrying one another. And it's like these, the, the warriors are, are re-emerging. There's good stories to tell and it's all about like, yeah, this is what took place. But, but it's like the walking wounded, right? They're coming, they're coming out. 
We've endured a battle, we've fought, but, but we're walking. Or I think about, you know, uh, my girls playing soccer and they're on the high school team and, and it doesn't matter what, what sport you're talking about in high school, you know, they, they always have like the, the trainer cart, you know, off by, on the sidelines. And wouldn't you know, at every soccer game or football game, they're, they're driving out there, the trainers run out. I mean, they must like own stock in ice or something. I mean, there's all, I mean, they ice everything, right? There's bags of ice and bandages and, and, and so, you know, I watch our girls too and then afterward they're, they're wrapped up in ice and it's like they've gone to battle but they're walking, they're the walking wounded coming out and, and, and they've endured something together. Now that term walking wounded is, is not, to, not to make light of that term, it, it, it emerged out of the military theater and soldiers that are fighting and after a battle that they fought hard and, and sometimes when they've had to triage people, it's like, well, you're walking and you're, walk, you're the walking wounded, just, just keep going, we'll, we'll get to you later, we'll deal with you later and we'll deal with others first and, and, and where, the, where the effort needs to go. But walking wounded isn't just on the battlefield. Some of the walking wounded in, in our military, some of the veterans, they're walking wounded among us. They've endured physical scars. We've seen, you know, some are, are as, as obvious as, as, as um, you know, amputations and other injuries, but we know there's also mental scars, emotional scars, just lost friendships, and, and they're the walking wounded. Now, we are a, a body of walking wounded. We may not have played night games, we might not be on sports teams anymore. We may not have fought in the military. But I know that as we sit here, as we're watching, as we're listening to this, we are the walking wounded. We each carry scars. We carry, carry, carry things that, 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 that have harmed us, that have wounded us. We've gone to battle. We fought some Goliaths and some giants. Maybe we're in that battle right now. You've gone through a painful divorce, and, and, and it just continues to just cause pain in your life. You're feeling loneliness, you've lost somebody. You've gotten a diagnosis and, and you're dealing with, a, with something that's just continuing to, to wreak havoc on your body or on your mind. Maybe you've endured abuse in the past and, and it just continues to be with you. Maybe you've lost your job or maybe you've been wrongfully accused or maybe you do some things that you've regretted. You've got guilt, you've got shame. Those are all the wounds and, and, and we don't always see the wounds but yet, here we are, we're, we're walking. We're the walking wounded. How do I know that you're, I know you're wounded, we're all wounded, but how do I know you're walking? Because you're not dead yet. We're not dead yet, it's not done yet, you're a survivor, you're somebody who's willing to get up, you're here today, you're listening, you're joining in because it's not over, it's not done, but we are part of those walking wounded, so how do we go on that journey? What does it mean to be a part of the walking wounded? And how do we find healing and hope among the walking wounded? That's what I wanna dive into today is, as we look at the story even of, of David and Goliath. We, th we see this as such a solitary thing. David conquered Goliath, mano a mano, one on one. And so we go to battle with our giant. We think we gotta take him out. Again, remember, we are not David, all right? Jesus is. So that battle's already taken place. But even if you look at David as the man, David who, who did something as a boy, as in he conquered this, this Goliath, if you follow the rest of his journey, he didn't have easy sailing after that point. It wasn't like, oh, life is just great. I'm the one who conquered Goliath. No one will ever come against me again, and, and life is just easy. No. He struggled. Things were hard. Things were difficult. We talked briefly last week about a Goliath that he couldn't conquer by the name of Bathsheba. Right? Things that, that in his life that, where he committed adultery and where he committed murder and things that were pretty dark in his life. Do you know that he also had to deal with the fleeing from King Saul for his life? King Saul, the one who he fought battle for, the one who he was in the military for, wanted to take his life. He was in fear of his life for most of his life. Then when he was king, others wanted to take him out of that role and out of that position. 
He struggled and dealt with many different things. If you wonder about that, just read the Psalms. You see a man who's just pouring out his heart. He's in fear for his life. He's in anguish. There's times where he just feels like everything's against him. Wait a second, this is David, the giant slayer. He still faces his battles. He still faces his struggles. But here's the thing, what we don't think about the story of David and Goliath is that he didn't conquer these things alone as he went about his life. Right soon after the story of David and Goliath, we, we meet Jonathan. Jonathan is actually King Saul's son. So King Saul, you know, who, who, uh, who David fought for and conquered, you know, Goliath and, and the, the army conquered the Philistines, well, he had a son named Jonathan. And David and Jonathan became really good friends, very close friends. And, and, and this was a strained relationship because really Saul wanted to kill David because he wanted his son Jonathan to be next in line for the throne and felt threatened by David. And so there was this strange relationship between King Saul and David, but Jonathan was there all along. And Jonathan also was one who said, look, I will warn you if your life is ever threatened or you're in danger. And, and, and we pick up, I just want to read to you a really small portion of here when David and Jonathan, when they actually part company. Jonathan has just told David, your life's in danger, and they knew David had to go and he had to run. And here's what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 41. So as they're saying goodbye, then David bowed three times to Jonathan with his face to the ground. Both of them were in tears as they embraced each other and said goodbye, especially David. At last, Jonathan said to David, go in peace for we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the town. I mean, I think about what a friendship. I mean, what a way to say the Lord is witness between us. We have sworn a bond to each other forever between us and our children. I mean, this is a commitment. This is a relationship. This is a friendship that helped David through an incredibly difficult time. And now David has to go and has to, has to break that relationship. And it's not like he could continue to stay in touch with him through Twitter or email. I mean, he was on the run. This was not like a Facebook post pictures of your kids. I mean, it was like relationship was, was separated. How is David gonna continue now? Where was his support? Was, is he just on his own now again, David, the giant slayer? Well, if we continue reading the story, we realize and we hear about these, these amazing companions, these other military men that became and forged this close bond with, with David. They were called David's mighty men, David's mighty warriors. We read about them in 2 Samuel chapter 23. And it's kind of cool as it describes these men, and there was, the, there was three that were kind of the closest and they were just, the, just, just always surrounding David, always protecting David, always in, in that relationship. And then there were 30 more. And this band of brothers, they moved throughout the land, throughout the region, protecting David. There's a story of, of a time where, where David just wanted this, this precious water from a well that he remembered drinking as a child in Bethlehem. And so they were near that city, but it was protected by the, by the enemy. And while David slept, you know what his, his mighty warriors did? They snuck out in the night and they, they went through enemy territory and they got some water out of that well. Kind of like we played night games last night when we had to capture the flag, we snuck through. But think about this, they risked their lives. They brought that water back to David as a way of saying, this is just how much we appreciate you, love you, protect you, we're loyal to you. So we see that David couldn't do it alone. David could not just con con continue to conquer and be this lone ranger and sometimes we think that's what we need to do. We need to be these lone rangers that conquer, but no. God never designed us to conquer our giants and to conquer this world on our own. He didn't do it with David. He doesn't do it with us. 
Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. First he promises himself, but then he also says, but I'm also gonna put you in a family. I'm gonna put you in a church. I'm gonna put you in a body. I'm gonna put you around others that are gonna help you in this endeavor. Listen, the church is the community of the walking wounded who are finding healing and a new life. Right, that's what this church is for. It's not just about coming and attending. It's not just about worshiping and, and hearing a message and, and see you next week. It's about doing life together. It's about coming together and saying, look, we are the community of the walking wounded and we're gonna find hope. We're gonna find healing. We're gonna do this together. Not just each of us individually between us and God and between us and the pastor. No, as a community. And that's how God designed us. He placed us in this community. And here's some good news for you. We are all cracked pots. We are all messed up. We're all wounded. You know how I know that scripture tells us. The Bible tells us. You don't believe me? Let's read here. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Now we have the light shining in our hearts. We talked about last week, right? The light. We got to reach for the light, and that light comes, and it shines in our hearts. That's the first step. God is filling our lights. But we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Congratulations, you're a fragile clay jar. Fragile clay jars, if you have any home, they've got chips, they've got cracks, you know, but they contain this, this beauty. It's not our perfection, it's Christ's perfection in us. It's his light in us, but we are fragile vessels. And so what it does is it shatters this, this, this image of perfection that the people in the church that we sit around, we got it all together, we have it all figured out. No, we are fragile. We're crackpots and we're trying to figure out how do we do this together as a community? How do we find this healing Together, And that's what I want to talk about today. The keys to finding healing and life among the walking wounded. So let's look at three things that I believe if we're going to take the step to come out of the shadow of Goliath. We talked about last week the confession before God and, and, and finding repentance and healing. But now I want to take a, st a second step in, in how do we walk into that light. So the first one here is this. Don't hide your limp. Don't hide your limp. You see confession again in parentheses there. You might say, well, Mark, you said last week, we, all right, talked about confessing to God. We already did that. Why are we repeating? Ah, there's another part of confession. Scripture says there's confessing to God, but there's another confession that really is gonna bring that healing. Because have you ever confessed something to God and you promised you'll never do it again, you promised you're gonna change it around and, and God's forgiven you and God's healed you and you're right back where you were before, anyone but me? Anyone else? Look, we have some honesty this morning. Right? We've been there before. We've confessed to God. And we go, what, God, God, I confessed it. It's over. It's done. And you still have that same challenge. There's something else that doesn't mean God can't heal you. But what he's saying is, look, it's not just between me and you. That's a step. That begins to bring that light. But the next part of confession is this. Look at James 5.16. Confess your sins. Who does it say? Say it with me. Who? To each other, right? Confess your sins. Not, it doesn't say confess your sins to God in this verse. It does in other places. But here, confess your sins to each other. So we're going to take a few minutes this morning. Ooh, no. Okay, well, I'll keep reading. Confess your sins to... Some of you online are going, that's why. That's why I watch online, because I'm not doing that. <laughs> confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. This is hard. This is scary. This is intimidating. Because we go like, you know, I, I, okay, I, you know, if you think last week was already hard admitting, you know, sins or addictions or challenges or giants and coming before God, but now I'm supposed to confess and admit to somebody else? That's 
hard. That's challenging. That means a vulnerability there. There's a, there's a humility. There's a humbleness there, and it's hard. And then, and then we're going to pray for each other. But what he promises is that that's how healing comes. It's when we confess. And so I want to say it this way. Don't hide your limp. Don't hide your limp. What do I mean by that? don't hide your limp? Look, we all have a hitch in our giddy-up. I learned that when I lived out west. Yeah. Hitching your giddy up, you got something, you know, something got some trouble, you got some challenge, you got something, maybe, maybe you're, you got some kind of limp, something you got going on. Have you ever played Scar, Scar Wars? Not Star Wars, Scar Wars, right? This is a great, great, like, icebreaker if you ever, you know, a group or meet new people. You just go and you say, and you ask, um, you know, what, tell me a story of your scars. You, know, you got a scar, you show off your scar. I, I don't do well at this. I've got this tiny little scar on my thumb. Uh, I was in high school, homeroom. I was taking apart a solar calculator, just killing time, and had the little, gla- like the little glass solar panel, and I, I snapped it, and it sliced my thumb and left a little scar here. So I don't ever win any scar war battles, but that's my story. See, there's a story. There's high school. It connects to different things, but our scars tell a story. Our scars tell a story. Our limps, our wounds tell a story, and that story helps us connect with other people. In the Old Testament, there's this crazy story that I'm not about to get into depth here today and even try to understand it, but it's the story of, of Jacob who has this wrestling match. It's like WW, what is it now these days? EF, I don't know what, a WWW, WWE, right? Some kind of world wrestling, right? Here's, here's Jacob, this character that's hard to like in the Old Testament. He's kind of conniving, he's deceitful. Eventually, and in this story, Jacob's name becomes Israel. Israel, the father of the nation of Israel. So this same guy, God uses him to become the father of the nation. And so there's this one night where he's, he's alone in the camp. He sent his family ahead, and he's by himself, and the stranger comes, and they have this wrestling match. They've got this wrestling match, and they're wrestling, and, and Jacob is fighting, and, and, and the guy that came in to wrestle him it can't beat him. And so what he does is he knocks his hip out of socket, knocks Jacob's hip out of socket, painful moment there, but Jacob won't let him go. Jacob won't let him go, and the guy says, you know, let me go. And he says, no, I won't let you go until you bless me. And so he gets blessed, and, uh, and, and, and then the, the man disappears, and, and it's, it's, it's this, and I don't know if it's an angelic figure. He, we don't really know who, who this is, but, but this person says, your name should now, will now be Israel. And it says that, that Jacob walked away from that encounter with a hitch in his giddy-up, right? He had a limp. And it was like from now on, the nation, as they talked about Father, is, you know, Jacob, Father of Israel, he had this limp, he had this wrestle with God, and, 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 and it was wounded by it, but that limp was apparent. And it was the, the beauty of that limp and, and putting that out there that wasn't hidden anymore. And so I wonder for us, like, how do we share our limp? Don't hide your limp. This is what it means to be part of a community, and, and, and it's so easy to hide if we just come to church or just watch online and never engage with anybody else. That's not church. That's, a, that's attending a worship service, that's singing, that's learning something, those are good parts, but, but church is, is some vulnerability. Who can you be open with and vulnerable with, and, and how can you invite others into that journey? Here's how Dallas Willard talks about this, this community. He says, spiritual formation cannot be a private thing because it is a matter of whole life transformation. You need to seek out others in your community who are pursuing a renovation of the heart. So you're coming to others. It's not a private thing. It's not just the thing between me and God. It's about something that we do together. It's how we connect with one another. And it's how the wounded are finding healing and yet still be walking with the limp. And some of us have been walking with the limp, but we can also attest to God's goodness and healing and the power of prayer when we've shared with others and have brought us together. So don't hide your limp. This is confession, this sharing with one another. The second is this. 
give mulligans. Give mulligans. Grace and forgiveness. Like I wasn't a big golfer and I didn't really know what a mulligan is and, and, and we've got the, the golf outing happening on, on Saturday, so a little quick promo on that. And if you notice, if you come in the doors there, there's a little sign here that says you can buy mulligans. What is it, like five bucks a piece or something like $3, five bucks? What's that? Five bucks, I was gonna say, if it's three, that's too cheap. You gotta make it, should make it 10 bucks. If you don't know what a mulligan is, mulligan's a, a do-over. And normally in golf, you don't have to pay for mulligans, but if you're raising money, you do that. So if you're playing amongst friends, it doesn't count in like a legit, you know, tournament in the PGA. But if you play amongst friends, I'm a lefty, you know, and you hit it and, and, and uh, it's a shank shot. I mean, I'm actually right-handed, but I golf left-handed, so. Um, sidebar. If you mess up, you just kind of say, I want to take a mulligan. And if you're playing with some friends, they're like, no problem. You won't count that stroke against you, right? And so it's just like a do-over. It's a gimme. And so you have these, these mulligans. It's like saying, I'm going to mess up. And amongst friends, we're going, okay, we're good. So we need to learn how do we give mulligans. Here's what it says in Colossians 3.14. I love this verse. Make allowance for each other's faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. We should probably have that on all of our social media like platforms and people that we're with and in our homes. We talk about that in our house. Already, make allowance for each other's faults. I tell our girls, you already know your sister's gonna annoy you. You already know that, so we already make allowance for that because if we have no allowance, the, light, the slightest little infraction creates offense and anger and frustration, and we see that amongst people. Nobody can mess up. You say just the slightest wrong thing, you make the wrong comment, and boom. Right? No allow. Make allowance. It's basically saying people are going to screw up. They're going to need mulligans. Let's give each other mulligans. And just remember, the Lord forgave you. You needed that mulligan. You needed that do-over. And he was faithful to do it for you. Be quick to give mulligans. And that creates this empathy that says, you know what? I understand. I've been there too. I've got my limp. I've got the thing that's, that, that I'm dealing with. It's the power of that hashtag me too the power of being able to say to somebody, me too, I've struggled with that too, and I understand. And how different are we when, when we deal with others who've dealt with the issue we've dealt with, right? If it's something we've never dealt with before, or we don't either understand it, or how could they deal with that addiction, or with that challenge, or, or how, come, you know, how come they're dealing with death in that way, or with an illness, I don't get it. But if you've been there, if you've experienced it, you have a different way of, of connecting, and so giving grace and, and allowing for that. And a quick mulligan mends a relationship quickly. It's what we need in the church. If we're gonna step out of that shadow and we're gonna overcome the stuff that we're dealing with, is it allows us to step into that light and to experience that. Here's how Shauna Nyquist uh, says it. She says, we don't learn to love each other well in the easy moments. Anyone is good company at a cocktail party, but love is born when we misunderstand one another and make it right when we cry in the kitchen, when we show up uninvited with magazines and granola bars in an effort to say, I love you. It's overcoming the difficulty. So many times I see in the church, I've seen it here, I've seen it at every church I've been at, we get a little bit, we get a little bit bothered. Somebody doesn't say something right, somebody doesn't do something right, uh, we just, uh, and we run. See ya, goodbye, I'm out of here. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is that what the relationship is all, is that how deep the relationship runs? Why are we, won't go, come to each other and confront one another and talk to one another and say, hey, 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 let me talk about this. We don't have grace. We don't give, make allowance for each other's faults. We don't work through the hard times and say, you know what, we, we, how many times can we say we went through a hard time and now we're stronger because of it? We can't say that if we leave when things get tough. 
The moment things are difficult between us, we go on to another relationship, you're never gonna be able to experience what it's like to have gone through that depth to show up and to say, I forgive you. The Bible is so clear on this, even as it talks about the way we come together in worship, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. So if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, so if you're coming to worship, you're bringing your gift, you're bringing your tithe, you're bringing your worship, you're coming to pray on a Sunday morning, right? And, and, and uh, oh, lost my spot here. And you remember, suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave the church. Oh wait, no, it doesn't say that. Go home. Ignore it, pretend it isn't there, shove it under the rug, wait another week, don't confront them, don't talk about it, talk to somebody else about it, make a big noise, write, write an anonymous note and drop it, no, 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 what does it say? Leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. It's, it's working through the difficulty. It's not it's hard and I go. If we're gonna step and, and have victory over our giants, over the difficulties, over the things in our lives, we've gotta be in a kind of community where we can give each other grace and work through the hard times and show up and be there for one another. Give mulligans, right? Admit you have a limp, give mulligans, and the third is this, extend a hand. Encouragement. Man, we need encouragement. We get so bogged down in life, so much stress, we're busy, life is full, we've got projects we can't get done at work, things at home are ramping up, we can't keep our kids in track, we've got bills piling up, we've got medical things to take care of, there's so much stress, sometimes we can't get through it. You know how it feels when somebody says, hey, how can I help you? How can I help you? I love at the end of almost every day or very frequently at the, you know, before Kyle leaves, if he leaves before me, he'll pop into my office and he'll just say like, hey, any, anything else I could do for you? Is there anything you need today? Most of the time, no. Or you might argue, you might say, yeah, most of the time I come up with something. No, I, I tell you what that means. How, I mean, it's just this, this, this availability to help, this ability to say, I'm willing to do so. How can I help you? What can I do? You're overwhelmed. You've got things in your life. Your giants are beating you down to come around as a community to say, how can I help? What can I do? Galatians 6, 1 to 3. Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So if they're dealing with big things, but what if they're just burdened? Well, here's this, share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. That's good. Share the burden. Humbly help that person back. Come alongside, say, how can I help you? How can I pray with, with you? Can I look after your kids? Can I send you out for dinner? Can I take that project off your hands? How about you just give permission maybe to a spouse or to a kid, let the ball drop, just drop the ball. It's okay for you to drop the ball on this one. Just let it go. Those are ways that we can encourage one another but, and then to come alongside and say, I've got you. You're not fighting this alone. You're not fighting this battle alone. That encouragement, extending a hand is so important for what we are doing. So as you look at these, Ways. There's so many more ways for us to be community together, to walk out of the, the shadows. Like David had Jonathan, he has mighty warriors. Who do we have around us? And as we look at these three things, let me ask you, do you need to share your limp with someone? It's amazing the power that happens when you share that 
You don't have to go and broadcast it publicly. It doesn't have to be on, on a stage, but one-on-one with one other person to say, here's what I'm dealing with, here's what I'm struggling with, and watch how that begins to help. Who do you need to give a mulligan to? Who do you need to say, you know what, let's just wipe the slate clean, let's just forget that happened, let's, let's start over. Just extend grace. I've been forgiven. I've screwed up. I forgive you. Maybe there's somebody right now. It's not even worth setting up all the arguments and all the conversations. You just, let's just move on. Let it go. Or you have the deep conversation to take it, but you're gonna extend grace when you do that. And who maybe do you need to extend a hand to? Who maybe around you is just struggling right now, is being buried by something, and you can just say, you know what? How can I help? What can I do? I'm ready. Or you come up with the idea, say, I'm gonna do this for you. It's powerful. You know, in our church, we have life groups. We create opportunities, we create spaces, we create places for you to connect with another community of people. To be a place where you can share your limp and talk about that, where you can have scar war stories, where you can pray for each other, where you can extend that grace, where you can be that encouragement to one another. A safe place where you can go and pray and, and talk and just, not just all the heavy stuff in life, but the great stuff too, right? Weep with those who weep, but rejoice with those who rejoice. We need community in those places, and that's what it's about. Hebrews 10, 24 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. See, we can't encourage each other if we're not together. You can't encourage each other if we're not in proximity, if we're not together, if we're not in these places, and we've got to make this commitment to stay engaged with one another because ultimately it's the church. The church is supposed to present a new picture to the world of this is how we do it. This is how we create community. This is how we help one another past our giants. I love the way that Scott McKnight says it. He says it this way, the church is God's world-changing social experiment of bringing unlikes and difference to the table to share life with one another as a new kind of family. The church is God's show and tell for the world to see how God wants us to live as a family. We're the show and tell, we're saying that here in this place is different. It's not like it is in the world, it's not like it is at your workplace, it's not like it is in, in places where there's backbiting and there's challenges, no. In this place, this is different. This, this group comes together because they're finding healing. They're, they're, they're the walking wounded finding healing in this community. We're jars of clay and we're fragile but God is bringing us together. I love when, when, when that passage talks about the jars of clay and the fragility that we have. You know what the very next verse is? It's this, it's 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And I want you to take this with you today. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are, we are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. This is us, the community of the walking wounded who say, it's not over, we're not in despair, we might have troubles and challenges, but we are surrounded by others who are gonna help us through because we carry Christ's light in us. This is the power of community. It's the power of the walking wounded together making our way through this life. That's how God has created and designed the church and to be a part of that church. As we close our time, we're gonna close our time taking communion, receiving communion together. And I think today this is just such a powerful reminder for us. As we think about what the table means and what it means, just as he said here, when we come together as the dislikes and the, and the difference, the walking wounded, as we come and receive communion, you know, um, when, when um, 
Thomas, one of the disciples, struggled to have faith in, in Jesus, and that was really him. What did Jesus do? What did he show him? He showed him his scars. So while we are the walking wounded, you know who we come to? We come to a wounded healer. Jesus is the wounded healer. He's the one who understands pain. He understands rejection. He understands loss and isolation and fear. He understands all those things. But he shows us his scars and he said there is life after death. There's healing after the wounding. And so we don't wanna keep staying in our wounds. We wanna come to the place of healing. And we wanna come together to receive what Jesus has for us. The gift that he's given us, the sacrifice that we remember on the cross when we take communion. His body broken for us, his blood spilled out for us so that we could have life. So that our life isn't stop, stopping on the cross but we are moving and being resurrected to new life. And that's the hope that we have. And today I especially, for those of us here in the room, did not want us to just have the communion elements given to us as we came in. I want us to physically be the walking wounded coming to receive communion this morning. So though we don't know each other's stories, we may not know all of each other's scars and the things that are there, I want you to see as others are coming to receive communion that we are the walking wounded, but we are finding healing in Christ. At Meadow Park, anyone who is a follower of Christ is welcome to receive communion. If you wanna pass, simply stay and remain seated pray, use that time for yourself. If you're walking, watching online, I encourage you to join us at home with a piece of bread and some juice or wine or water, whatever you have, to be part of this community and this experience together. I'm gonna ask our hosts to, to come forward at this time. They're gonna be placed here in different places, and, and we're gonna get up here in just a moment and come and receive communion. I'm gonna ask you to, to receive it and then to go back to your seat, and I will lead us in taking the elements together. Let's come and let's receive and let's be the walking wounded finding healing from our wounded healer. <laughs>